Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Turn with me today in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 1, we've spent two weeks in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Philippians. We've gotten through three, three whole verses. What about that? We're moving on. What a treasure today to meet some folks who haven't been here before. Rick and Laura, Robin, I believe Worth and Kathy's been with us once before. If I haven't met you and you're brand new with us today, God bless you for coming. This is a faith family. You are welcome into this family gathering anytime. Thank you for joining us today. We started the first of the year a verse-by-verse study of the book of Philippians. I make no apologies for that. This whole church is built on the Word of God, the worship of the Lord, the prayers of the saints, and the fellowship of believers. And that's all we do. Our nursery's right back there. You are the choir. We don't even take up offerings here, but there is a box back there in case you'd like to write a million-dollar check. It's right there in that box. So now that you have your Bibles... And for those of you who are electronically informed and gifted, your iPad or iPhone, remember I told you about that great app, Bible Gateway. It is terrific. You can study anything you want to on Bible Gateway. You can bring up any translation of any text. Uh, It is a great app to have if you're serious about studying the Word with your electronic device. I like to do it because I like to get the print about that big. But I'm over 40, and I know that's a shock to you, Linda. But Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace, favor, and ability to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We, we went in great detail the last two Sundays with almost two hours of teaching on the, the background for this book. We won't go back and retrace that today. Paul begins his prayer recorded for us in the Holy Scriptures. Sometimes I think God records prayers because we can't do much better than that. If you want to pray in a way that you know God will hear you, just pray what he's already put in his word. I assure you he hears that. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always. In every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Do you have somebody in spiritual leadership praying for you? Say, Pastor, I don't need that. I've got the Son of God. He is, the, he is interceding before me at the right hand of the Father. I have equal access to anybody on this earth, and you are absolutely right. But for whatever reason, and I don't know, 
whatever reason, all throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, God has assigned certain people that he calls shepherds to intercede specifically for his saints. Not that you don't have equal and ongoing access, but for whatever reason, there is in the heart of God a, a, a heart, a desire, and a power to have somebody in spiritual leadership praying for you, going before the throne of God on your behalf. I tell you, and I, I know I tell you this all the time, but I can't rest in any course of a day until I have prayed four scripture passages from the word of God over all of my flock. And if you are not a, a if you're not spiritually connected to a shepherd or a spiritual leader of some sort, I encourage you to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you where that is. Because for whatever reason, it's God's idea, not mine. It is a burden and a responsibility to me. It's not an accolade and yay him. It is a tremendous burden and responsibility. That is a lot. I have a lot invested in your well-being. Not to get praise from you, but to, to, to honor and obey the Lord of the church. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the, the New Testament is very clear that there should be spiritual leadership there. There is nobody who has a perfect performance. But there are those who have a high assignment to intercede for the sheep. I was griping to the Lord not long ago. You ever do that? Oh, y'all are too spiritual for that. But I was complaining the other day in my own heart about something where I was beat up and in need, and I had almost no response to that. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Oh, don't worry about it. I am not. No. The Holy Spirit said to me, sheep don't do that for the shepherd. The shepherd does that for the sheep. They don't look after your needs. I called you to look after theirs. Boy, was that correction. Y'all know your pastor gets correction, don't you? Not once a month, about every day. Are you partnered with spiritual leadership who prays for you? Notice what he says. I make requests for you all with joy for your fellowship, that is your participation with me in the gospel from the first day I ministered to it until now. You, you, you've stuck. How many of you know that the, the writing of this letter was 10 years after his initial visit to the city of Philippi? If you are a physician, if you're a doctor, a, a, a business person, or a pastor, the older you get, isn't it true, the more you appreciate with those who stuck with you? In business, in ministry, you're always going to have those out there 
on the edges and they're going to flow in and they'll out. In, out, in, out, in, out. What a blessing it is when God gives you customers or clients or ministry partners who flow in and stick and stay connected. Paul said, you were, you, you were connected with me from the first day until right now. Ten years later, you're still with me. Being confident of this very thing. By the way, you business people, you ought to go to school on that. You ought to, you ought to continually thank your customers and clients for the longevity of their faithfulness doing business with you. Do you know that Christians, I'm going to get on my soapbox just a minute, that Christians are sometimes the least, the least developed in expressing appreciation for those who've invested in them than anybody else. The world knows better than that. God have mercy on us. Paul says, verse 6, I am confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work, sound familiar? in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you know that he who called you and assigned you on the assignment he's given you is faithful and he will bring it to completion? It is right for me, he says, verse 7, to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. You're on the inside of me. You are deposited in my spirit man. Even though we are not together physically, I carry you with me all the time. Where was Paul right now? Remember, he was in jail in Rome. This was around 59 to 61 AD. He was in his first Roman imprisonment. His last one, remember, was going to be the termination of his life at the hands of the Emperor Nero. He would be beheaded. But this was about seven to eight years before the end of his ministry. That is his earthly ministry. Notice what he says here in verse 7. Listen, all of you who are in ministry, and we've got a lot of folks in ministry here today, you need to look at this. He says, it is right for me to think of this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains. Remember, he was chained to a Roman guard and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of me, with me, of grace. What is Paul saying here? I have you in my heart. I'm praying for you. But I want you to also know that in a sense, you are with me as I am imprisoned right now in Rome. You're with me. And you are participating with me as I defend and confirm the gospel. You are partakers of me with the grace of God. I don't understand all this, but I can tell you this. It is in the Word of God. If you are partnered with somebody who is doing something under a divine assignment, you are partakers of the same grace, the same favor and ability that God gives them. 
because you are assisting them to, to, to complete the assignment God has given them. You say, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, I just read it to you. You are partakers of me, with me, of this grace, God's favor. You still don't believe it? Matthew 10, 41, write it down. Matthew 10, 41 says that whoever enables a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Where are you investing enabling prayer, enabling resources? Where are you investing? The Bible says that whatever, when, wherever you enable somebody who's under a divine assignment, you are going to get their reward. Jesus said that. I didn't make it up. Do you know that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive your rewards, you are going to receive those of you who've enabled those who are your spiritual leaders, you are going to participate in the same reward they're getting. Because you enabled them to do what the, the, the Lord of the church has assigned them to do. You must be on a fundraiser. I'm teaching you the Word of God. There's partnership. And you notice what Jesus was saying there is that when you enable, when you, and he, in the context, he even talks about a cup of cold water to a child. When you do something physically and materially and spiritually to enable that prophet, you get that prophet's reward. It's partnership. Notice what he says here. You are enabling me. You are with me in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Notice what he says here. God is my witness, verse 8. I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Oh, I just can't wait to see you. And in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. In knowledge. In other words, I want you to know him more because then you'll love him more. When you discern what he's all about, your love will increase. That you may approve the things that are excellent and may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Not by the external obedience to the law but by the righteousness which comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That gives glory and praise to God. I want you to skip for just a moment over here to verse 19. I want you to see he, there was partnership there through the through the expression of prayer, there was partnership by partaking of the same grace that Paul had with these Philippian believers. He goes in verse 19 and he talks about how he believes he's going to be delivered from his imprisonment. Notice how he is going to be delivered from imprisonment. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Is that not an amazing passage right there? God has chosen not only the work of the Holy Spirit, but God has chosen prayer as a vehicle 
through which he makes certain decisions to do certain things that manifest themselves even in physical circumstances. Paul said, I'm going to get out of this Roman prison, but it's going to come through your prayers. You know what Paul was saying? Yes, I'm praying for you daily. I have you in my heart, but it's your prayers that is going to get me out of the situation that I'm in right now to go on and finish the assignment God's given me. Do you believe that about your prayers? Do you believe that your prayers are the vehicle that God Almighty has chosen to do certain things? There are certain things, and I don't understand, but there are certain things that God will not do except through the prayers of his people. Partnership. Yes, I partake of the grace, but I also get involved with my prayers. Paul's partnership went farther. Paul said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'd, for me to live is Christ and die is gain, and I'd rather depart and be with Christ. That's far better. But I know, verse 25, that I'm going to have to remain and continue with you, with you all for your progress. Turn over to the fourth chapter. I want you to see chapter 4. Partnerships through prayer, through the investment of the grace of God. How many of you know that when you walk with somebody, those, listen, those with whom you spiritually partner have a profound effect on what you experience and receive? Those with whom you spiritually partner have a profound effect on what you experience and receive on your inner spiritual makeup. In chapter 4 of this book, this letter, Paul says in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, you just lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I'm in therewith to be to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. In other words, I know how to be the man and I know how to be nobody. Everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Distress. He's saying, I had some serious material needs, unmet needs. You have done well to share in this distress of mine. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, listen, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. This man was establishing churches all over the Roman Empire. And he says, not but one church ever invested in my needs. Not but one. Sadly, the spirit of entitlement is still in the church today. You know what entitlement is, don't you? 
I want everything you can do for me and give to me. I just don't want to invest anything. I want everything that I can get and receive and as long as somebody else is paying for it. Just don't make me invest anything. I want all the stuff. Paul said, listen, this is not new. Paul says, no other church shared with me in the early days in giving and receiving. You're the only ones. Even in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent aid once and for all, for my, uh, once and again, for my necessities. Not, listen, look at verse 17. This is the motives. Listen to me, all of you who are in ministry. Listen to me. Go, get on board with verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul said, you know what he's saying in our common vernacular? I'm not raising money for me. I am, what really thrills me is when you invest in where God has shown you to give and you invest in my needs as your apostle, I want you to know that you are investing in your account and what I rejoice over is how you are going to get a blessing in your account. Did you know you have an account? Where'd you get that? Right there. I seek the fruit. This gift, this financial blessing is going to abound to your account. You have an account. Did you know that? You know what most of us as believers want is we want a return without an investment. In all kind of ways. The power of partnership. Notice what he says here. He says, now my needs are fully are, are, are met in full, and I'm abounding. Your offering was a sweet aroma, well-pleasing to God. Now notice, notice the reciprocal for that investment. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Did you notice that that was stated in the framework of giving and receiving? Sowing and reaping. True partnership requires mutual investment. If there's not mutual investment, there is no real partnership. Everybody in ministry... We need to pray until every one of our motives line up with verse 17. I seek the, that which abounds to the account of those who obey God through what they do.
We're going to be held accountable for not only what we do and say, but for our motives. Are you partnering with spiritual leadership? What a opportunity of investment. Not just spiritually, but financially. But I also want you to see something here that most of us would rather not see. Go back now, if you will, to the end of Philippians 1. He says, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of your affairs that... You stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries which is to them a proof of perdition but to those of you of but to you of salvation and that from God now look at verse 29 for to you oh my for to you it has been granted a grant is a gift for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. How many sermons do you hear on that one? Oh my. For you it has been granted by God as a gift, not only ooh, granted as a gift to suffer. For his sake. Pastor, what was what, that? There, there are all kind of ways that for his sake suffering comes. Anybody uh, ever uh, give you any rejection or hassle at school for your faith, Lawrence? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Kind of consider you as different and kind of exile you socially sometimes? You know what it means to suffer for the sake of Christ, don't you? It has been granted to you as a gift. And there is a mighty return on that gift. Mighty return. Some of you have decided to do the right thing in your business. And some people have chosen not to do business with you because you've insisted on doing the right thing. And you only chose to do the right thing because of your relationship with Jesus. And when you suffer for the sake of Christ, when deep down it is the cause of Jesus, it is your relationship with him that causes you to suffer emotionally or socially. Some of you don't fit anymore in some of the social circles you were in because of your relationship with Jesus. It is granted as a gift to suffer for the cause of Jesus. Some of you suffer. You stay up at night praying for your children and grandchildren when a lot of people who, don't, who are not connected with Jesus, they just wish it would go away, but they're not going to stay up and pray over anybody. It is painful. It is suffering. 
There are some people who are close to you who don't have anything else to do with you anymore because you have made certain choices that have arisen out of your relationship with Jesus. It is granted as a gift to suffer for his sake. That is not popular preaching. You know, that kind of preaching doesn't draw a crowd, Otis. John have the big crowds, I'm done with them. I ain't going there, it'll grieve the spirit. <laughs> Notice what Paul was saying. You are my partners, not only in through my prayers, not only do you get my grace, not only do you get my reward, not only are your needs met as you participate in the meeting of mine, but I want you to know something, that you also are with me in this thing called suffering. How many of you know that even in the body of Christ, when you start going through certain things that are so deep and so painful, you will have people in the body of Christ who always do the coulda, woulda, shouldas. Well, if you had done this, if you had done that, if you hadn't have done this, you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. That is nothing in the world but judgment, and Jesus says that is not your place. And I want to tell you that judgmentalism and, and even satanic oppression and guilt and condemnation operates greatly in the context of religion. There's a difference in the religion and relationship with Jesus. But I want you to notice something here. Verse 12, Paul says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me, that is, my incarceration, my imprisonment, me being chained to Roman soldiers in Rome, they have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest of those around Roman prison here that my chains are in Christ. That is, I'm here because of my relationship in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear now some of them are doing it he says out of envy and strife they want to be like me they just don't want to pay what I've paid the former preach Christ from selfish ambition not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains do you know there's a whole lot of that going around in it. It's still part of that entitlement mentality. There are a lot of people who see you where you are today and they want to be where you are today. They just have no idea of the price you paid to get there. Right? Paul says, my imprisonment has actually become known to everybody up here they now know about Jesus Christ they they didn't used to know and they wouldn't have known if had I not been imprisoned and then 
those who believe are getting confident and bold by what they see me going through by the grace of God. Don't you understand that this is true when you see a believer go through something that is deep and it is painful suffering, but as the grace of God gets involved in their lives and in that situation, doesn't it embolden you to see what the grace of God can get them through? Some of you, I have in my, in my mind's eye, I've still got the picture of some of you in this room today standing on the hillside at Southern Heritage when Dean and I buried our only child. And I know this beyond any shadow of a doubt, that some of you, seeing what the grace of God can do through somebody's suffering, has emboldened you to get through whatever you have to do knowing that God's grace will be more than enough. It's giving you boldness. That's what Paul's saying. And I want to close by saying this. Those of you who are seeking, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? There are four things that help you decide what the Lord wants you to do as far as your assignment is concerned. And the only one that I want to mention today in closing is this. Your story has everything to do with what your assignment is and is going to become. Your story. Your story. It wasn't by accident that you were born where you were. It wasn't by accident that you went through what you went through. It was a design. And there is something that is powerful. There is you. Nobody has your story but you. Nobody. And your story will become one of the key factors to discerning what the Lord's assignment for you is. What you experienced, where you've been. There are other things that I'll get to next week. But ask the Lord to show, God, show me my ministry assignment in this earth. What Help me to see how my story relates to it. Can I tell you something? Nobody can argue with your story because it's your story. Tell you something else. The greatest open door to sharing the things of Christ with anybody is your story. Your story. And when you factor in the redemptive power of Jesus and the grace of God that sustains and enables you to do anything and everything in his will, you, you have something that can't be shaken or changed. And I want to I guarantee you one thing. Whatever you're going through today, it may be great joy or great suffering. Whatever you're going through today, God is working on your story so that one day your story is going to become your platform for sharing the life of Jesus at a greater way than you've ever, ever dreamt. Your story. Your story. Would you bow your heads with me?
Would you say to the Lord right now in your own heart, Father, let your word penetrate deeply into my heart, wherever I am, whatever. You can start right where you are. You may be a student, a child. You may be incredibly wealthy or flat out broke. The wonderful thing about the Lord is none of that really matters so that it doesn't impede you from starting. You can ask the Lord, Lord, show me how can I begin to partner with you in the things that matter, the things that are eternal and not miss by this world in my own ignorance of your word. Help me not to miss where I should really partner. Show me where I will experience shared grace, covering prayer, and material resource that is needed to sustain what you've called me to do. Show me where I need to partner. And Lord, I'm saying to you, from this day forward, I will stand on the word that says it is an honor to suffer shame for the gospel. It has been granted to me as a gift to suffer for your sake. I believe your word, Jesus, when you said, if any man wants to follow me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. So I'm willing to go through the suffering. I want to stop being self-absorbed. And I'm willing to go through the suffering of becoming you absorbed. To recognize that the value of my life is not in these temporal things that change on this earth. I'm not even in charge of any of that. I repartner with you. You are my source and my resource. And I am willing to walk with you even if it, even if it means suffering I'm yours. Give me the grace for that suffering to be redemptive in nature. That is, to buy something more precious than comfort. More precious than ease. We're going to sing this little chorus we sang earlier, but we're going to change the words. He who began a good work and he, but we're going to sing in me will be faithful to complete it in me. Sing it as your prayer today. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Let's all stand. He who began a good work in, in me. He who began a good work in, in me. You'll be faithful. He'll be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to complete it. He who started the work will be faithful to complete it in me. Yesterday, I did something that I do, try to do every year around this time. I went back and listened again to Dr. King's speech. You can have your own opinion in my mind. It's one of the 
three most powerful speeches in American history. There was redemptive value in that speech. It was loaded with suffering. And the content of Dr. King's speech had to do with righteousness and justice, freedom and opportunity. He made the speech in 1963, 1967, assassinated in Memphis. And shortly after Dr. King's assassination, this little white boy here, living out in the suburbs, received an invitation. And if you didn't live in this town in the 60s, you're not gonna be able to comprehend what I'm saying. But for those of us who grew up here, we didn't know anything about a black person's world. But shortly after Dr. King's assassination, I was invited to come to downtown Birmingham at night and preach the gospel in an all-black church. I didn't know a whole lot about a lot of things. I knew that was something in the natural in those days. My parents would have prayed a lot about. But I knew this beyond any shadow of a doubt. Not only had I been saved by the grace of God, but I had been called to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I knew this beyond any shadow of a doubt. What I know today and what you see today, there is therefore no difference, no division between Jew or Greek, male or female, bond or free, for all are one in Christ Jesus. All are one in Christ Jesus. It was one of the greatest times of preaching the word in the most one of the most receptive audiences I have ever received as a young man I will never ever forget it I hope that sometime before tomorrow's over that you will do what I what I do I want you to go back and listen to the content of that speech and especially toward the end I want you to understand but as Dr. King was delivering this message to 250,000 people at the Lincoln Memorial, one of his friends, Mahalia Jackson, and you got to have a few years on you to know Mahalia Jackson. You, you know him, don't you, Senator Jones? Yeah. I know her. Dr. King was wrapping up his speech, and Mahalia said, Tell him the dream, Martin. 
tell him the dream. He stopped that texted speech and he started preaching. And that's where that anointing of, I have a dream today, flowing from the scriptures. Can I ask you something? To have that kind of influence, we will celebrate his life tomorrow. Was there some suffering involved? Thirty-nine years old. But what a legacy his life continues to give. Father, thank you for all of those that you have invested the high calling of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all of those who've been willing by your grace to suffer. We know that it was by your suffering that change was brought about in our hearts. And we thank you that we are just honored to suffer in any way for your name. Give us special grace. And bless these, your sheep, God. Thank you for them. You are their shepherd. Thank you for the honor of just being an assistant, a servant. And I bless them today in the holy and righteous name of the Lord Jesus. We don't meet next Sunday, church. We don't meet on the last Sunday of the month, but I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.